Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. I don't have all the statistics, but I do have um, a portion that I just started thinking, what has happened at Anchor Faith Church since Kingdom Rise? We're talking a month ago. Well, I don't even have the numbers from Kingdom Rise, but after Kingdom Rise, during our private school, Washington Classical Christian School, in its first chapel, we had eight kids get born again for the first time. Nine got baptized in the Holy Ghost that ended up following in water baptism. And five of them were refilled and fluently prayed the the prayer language. Yesterday, at the close of our THP, our last Treasure Harbor Preschool Chapel, there's 28 students, 11. Now, some have already born again. In fact, Titus Kitchens got born again at Kingdom Rise. And he came to school the next day and told all of his classmates how he got born again with boldness and planted a seed that that last chapel, 11 children got born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There they are right there. Come on now. Got born again. Faith like a child. Now again, we shouldn't rejoice more because a person strung out on drugs and been in all kinds of issues of life, come in here and repent and come to Jesus. You understand it says when one sinner didn't qualify what their sin was. So this is significant stuff right here. Because at their young age now, It could stop a lot of conflict. Sunday, we had 12 people baptized in the Holy Spirit with heaven and speaking in tongues. On Sunday, I said on Sunday, glory to God. Come on, you ought to do a shout of praise. What we need to do is we have to learn in this moment what are proper responses. Because I am tasked with being a custodian of the presence of God. And when he chooses at his timing to come down in a different way a more tangible way than he has before. You know, he has that prerogative. And when he does, then we want to honor his presence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when he moves and that kind of results happen, then we ought to have the same expression that the angels in heaven are having. So when we hear... The more we respond like heaven, heaven will say, I want to continue to show heaven responses on the earth. Because again, if you bring a guest and we say, man, five people got born again, you know, over here at the grocery store with this one individual. And we're like, well, praise the Lord. Then we're acting like that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that somebody has been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Every time it's a big deal. It's a big deal when somebody gets endued with power from on high because now their witness goes to a whole nother level. Their prayer life goes to a whole nother level. big deal man it's a big deal and again don't matter how many are here it's how we're here and how we're responding hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me do one more moment and then I'm going to release y'all and I'm going to preach this word. If you've been with Anchor Faith Church in this room, I'm going to say for 10 years, mm, for seven years or more, stand up. Seven years or more. Seven years or more. Yeah. All right. Now I want you to turn around and look at everybody that's seated. How you respond will determine if you can continue to be their example. Because that group sit, sitting down is ready to pass you by. Ready to pass you by. Because you got to go back and start remembering what it was like when you first heard certain truths and how you first started responding and how you, because see, when you begin to walk the life of faith, it becomes so natural and so common in your life that if you don't watch out, you'll take it for granted. But these that are sitting here are going to be on fire, going to have a passion, going to want to run. And you're going to be like, yeah, I remember when I did that. Why are you remembering when you did? Why don't you do? So what I'm about to preach is actually more for you than it is for them. Although what I'm going to say will let them know why we're doing what we're doing right now. It's going to help them out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because here is the misconception. Everybody in the room's equal. Everyone has equal access to Jesus. But not everyone in the room's equal because some of us have gone through a fire and walked in obedience through more trials and we've matured more than others at this juncture in life. And that's reality. Now, I'm not saying if you're seated, you're not mature. I'm not saying that. You just haven't been here for seven years or more. But what I am saying is we have to maintain a passion like those two guys when Jesus came and said, What's, what y'all talking about? They're like, man, didn't you hear about Jesus dying? So, no, I, I don't believe I heard that. <laughs> Where you been? And so he begins to open the scripture to them, says. And then they say, no, come on, come on with us. And then he sat down and then he revealed himself to them and then was gone. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he's opened the word to us? Whew. Hallelujah. All right, you can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Aren't you glad for worship team? Now, tonight, the reason why I kept them up is because I was getting something in my spirit. I kept hearing. It seemed like something was down there. And remember the prophet that uh, they needed a word. And he says, go find me a minstrel. Now, you don't always have to have music behind you for you to hear what God's saying. But when the prophet didn't have a word at the time to be able to say, and he wasn't getting anything to be able to bring it up, he said, go get me a minstrel so that the worship of the Lord could, could uh, fill the room so that in turn, then he could clearly hear what the Lord needed to say. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to say a couple of verses again tonight that you know. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but I need to stay on track on a few things. Because we're in something doesn't mean God told us to abandon something else. All right? And so, you know, there's some things we, got, we need to keep in front of us. The first thing is, is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places, where? In Christ Jesus. So we've already been raised up with him, spiritually speaking, that is. We're already seated, not going to get a seat. We have a seat, and that seat is with him in heavenly places. So we have his authority right now as we operate in the earth, and that's why we are going to reign in this life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now stay with me. Don't think you know where I'm going. 
Just go with me. All right? In Matthew chapter 16, or chapter 6, verse 33, you know it. But seek first. But what? Seek first, not second, not when you want to, not when you decide you're not upset at God anymore, not when you get enough evidence that God's actually real again. No, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. So we got to seek his kingdom, but we also need to seek his righteousness. And you cannot seek his righteousness till you get in his kingdom. Because if you're not in his kingdom, then you're not righteous. And you can't even hear from the king. So we all must be born again. And this is one of the greatest things of the move of God that's happening right now at Anchor Faith Church. The Bible says, do not despise small beginnings. You know, it's almost as if we've gotten to a place because of how much scripture is and teaching is throughout the United States in such easy access. It's like we can't tolerate. We just won't even spiritually tolerate uh, a little time. We want to see it all right now in manifestation. Got to do it all. And like, God, if you don't do it all right now. I heard this, and I'm going to, I don't remember if I said it to you. I think I said it to our staff the other day. Um, but I got some insight on uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. That's Pastor Hagen's father, Pastor Craig Hagen's grandfather, who go, who's gone on to be with the Lord in 2003. And um, I got some insight about the healing revival he was in and how he worked the healing revival that I never heard before. And when I heard this, I'm like, are you serious? It's no wonder they got healed. Because when you read his book and he talks about how, you know, these different things manifested, we all of a sudden, at like, you know, when we go and lay hands on, we expect that's got to happen right now where it's at. But let me give you a little insight. When he would go and do meetings, which were weeks on end, they were not one service. He would come in and minister, usually at minimum two weeks and sometimes more. And he would give out a card to the people who attended his meetings. And he would say, if you have not been in attendance at least five times, when I have a healing line, you cannot get in it. Wow. In essence, he was making a demand on them hearing the word so that when they came down, it wasn't just the working of miracles or the gifts of healing, which was completely independent of the individual. He also had the ability to be able to touch and agree with faith and lay hands on the sick through his natural faith. They bring in their own faith. And if they weren't eating, if their card had not been punched five times, they couldn't even get in the line. And I thought, well, no wonder. But what happens? Somebody's got an ailment. They go to a church. The church, you know, say, oh, I'll, will you pray with me? They pray with me. Don't get it. They go to the next church. And they're not even hearing a message. They're just waiting for it to end so somebody can lay hands on them and pray for them. And the Holy Ghost isn't moved by that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But seek first his kingdom, he says. So we've got to be in the kingdom, but we're not just to seek the kingdom because, again, if you're seeking the kingdom, honestly, you're also seeking his righteousness, which is God's way of doing a thing. Okay? It's God's way of doing things. And why is this important? Because of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, or verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Now notice, there's two parts of what you're to do with righteousness. You are to hunger for it, and you are to thirst for it. You don't just hunger for it, and you don't just thirst for it. 
which means there must be two elements to righteousness that the scripture lets us know about so that we can then in turn say, how do I know when I'm hungering for righteousness and how do I know when I'm thirsting for righteousness? And the question is, when's it time to eat and when's it time to drink? John chapter 6, verse 35 says it this way. Jesus said that them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will no longer hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Are you hearing me? Okay. Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 3 says it this way. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now, this wine is not real wine. This is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. He's the new wine. I said he's the new wine. And if you'd get rid of your old wine so that you can keep your mind sober so that the new wine can be able to infiltrate your mind and, and renew your mind, then you're going to be all right. But then he said milk. Well, you know, the word, he says, you got to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by it. So milk and wine here is a type and shadow of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. He says, why do you spend money on what is not bread and, for, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen to uh, Listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. So here, the Lord, again, he said he's the bread, right? He said, I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, if you come to him, you're not going to be hungry. And if you believe in him, you're not going to ever thirst. Now, let's go back to that verse because I want you to see the two sides of this as well. It says, as Jesus said, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. He who comes to me, Jesus says, comes to me, right? Who comes to me will not hunger. Then he says, and he who believes. Well, who reveals what Jesus says? The Holy Spirit. So in essence, when you're believing the word, it's because the Spirit has revealed what was written. So when he says, when you believe in me, you will never thirst. So the Holy Spirit is wine, or it, it is the water, and then the Word is the bread, and that's where you eat, or the milk, okay, where you're getting nutrients. Because again, milk, you say, well, that's drinking. Well, you understand when you have a newborn baby, they're not eating solid food. They're being nurtured by the milk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. But eventually they're going to go on past, past milk. We are supposed to go past milk. Say, I'm going to go past milk. Okay. Let's go past milk. John chapter 6, verse 53 to 58 says it this way. So Jesus said to them, now this is good because he lost a lot of people after this sermon. This was that sermon that they all said, I'm out of here. I can't follow this guy no more. All right? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, <laughs> right? Truly, truly. <laughs> this is truth now. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Now, he wasn't obviously talking about cannibalism. These are symbolisms. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Why does Jesus live? Because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So, there's a couple things that take place in church. 
It is the feeding of the word and the drinking of the spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Again, he's the bread of life. So every time we go to the word, we begin to start, we begin to start eating. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Right now, I'm feeding you. I am that cafeteria lady right now. And you coming by with your plate. And I'm putting on. Now, here's the thing. You can say, oh, I don't want mashed potatoes and gravies today, you know, Mr. Cafeteria guy. Well, that's what we're serving. <laughs> right? This ain't a have it your way cafe. Because it ain't a have it your way with God. He's like, I know what you need to eat right now. I know what you need to make you healthy, whole, and strengthen you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So, we're feeding right now. But, a little bit earlier, and here in a few moments, John 4, 14 takes place, and that is this, John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And we know another scripture says that, that be caught in our inward belly will flow rivers of living water. Flow rivers of living water. Okay? So, we are in a moment because we were placed here by obedience, not by happen chance. Now, some will arrive to Anchor Faith Church more by happen chance soon enough. And they will have had no involvement in the process of what you're experiencing, but they will experience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because what we have is enough to give away. It's not about keeping it. It's not about, well, you weren't here for 17 years, and so you're not getting in on this deal. No, we have done this 17 years, which actually has jumped on years before us. We just have 17 years that we said, okay, we're going to do our part now to where the Holy Ghost says it's trust, it's, I can trust a move here. I can trust a move here. We can do a move here because they have been equipped for a move. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. But the minute you get equipped for a move, then it's supposed to overflow out of the place so that it impacts others. Jesus walked with the disciples, not just the 12, but 70 others, and there were others that followed. Jesus obviously knew who these people were because when he was raised from the dead, he didn't just go to the 12 or to the 70. He went to another group that included 500 people total. Now think about it. There's more than 500 people in Israel. There's more than 500 people. But Jesus personally, after his death, burial, and resurrection, does a house call. Now, if he's done a house call, he's expecting that the three years when I started ministry and you had exposure to all that the Father did through me by the Spirit, I want to see you come be a part of something great. Now, 120 maintain perseverance, right? And they got in one mind, one accord, in unity, and in prayer to receive something that they had no idea of what it would look like, how it would be at all until it hit 
And then God gives revelation to the one who denied him three times that this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. This is it. Are you hearing me? So in essence, Jesus is saying, I've equipped this group to receive the first outpouring. But it isn't just for them. Because when they experienced it, and it fell, and it hit, and they responded, they were already there by faith. Before it came, they were there. With expectation of what Jesus said would come or who would come. All right? And so he came. And now Peter steps out and says, these people are not drunk as you suppose, which tells me this. He's in an upper room and everybody's praying in the spirit or they are proclaiming in a known tongue to different nations of people. In essence, all these that have come from different places because, you know, Israel's been dispersed more than one occasion. They've been captured on more than one occasion. They've been taken into other nations and they picked up their language. They picked up and some people were born in these other nations and that was a language that they had, not only their uh, native language of the land of Israel. So when they began to speak, they were like, that's the land I came out of. That's the language I came out of. And all this is going on. I mean, I don't know about you, but if we all started talking at the same time, That would be difficult to determine what somebody down there is saying. So how does Peter know that they thought they were drunk? That the people were saying, these are crazy people. They're just up there drunk. How would Peter know that except for a word of knowledge by the Holy Ghost? And he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, since you're talking about us. It's only the third hour, but this is that. And then when he began to preach on that, next thing you know, it pierced their hearts. The fire of the Holy Ghost hit them and says, you need to get right. And then they don't even wait for an altar call because they don't even know that exists. See, the issue is, is that we'll get so formalized instead of just let God, and I, there's nothing wrong with things. Don't get me wrong. It is, it is impossible to not have order because God is a God of order. But on the same side, it's okay if I forego a little formality because he happens to be popping hot over here and doing a work in that corner that I don't need to have time to orderly get them up, bring them down here, get them on the line, make sure an usher's around. I may just need to run, jump over all those steps, see the man that's back there and say, get up, do this, whatever, like Peter or Paul fixed his eyes on the guy and said, now get up and walk because he said he perceived seeing that the man had faith. So when that takes place, then you should respond. It doesn't have to be formal in that moment. Now, at other times, it will. So don't get discouraged because God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. And so if he allows the service to go, that people could come down and the ushers could bring you down and we could come and lay hands on you because that's how the service is flowing, then guess what? You're going to get it. But... We've had some crazy stuff happening right here in the no-go zone. It's no-go zone. Get them over here, ushers. Get them over there. But in the no-go zone, why? Because some crazy stuff's been happening in this area that we normally minister to people because people have been like, I just got to go worship God and I can't stay in this seat. Well, what am I going to do? Say, I appreciate your worship, but can you get out of the way because this person wants to get filled with the Holy Ghost. No, you go ahead and praise God. We'll lay hands on them there. And some of you are getting it in your seats. Because you understand, you do not have to have the laying on of hands to receive the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is have faith you receive and then speak. Hallelujah. 
Now, with 12 people getting filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday, which means they had evidence that they spoke in another tongue, it was the evidence that the power came upon you. Now, here's the thing. Children, when they first start to speak, there's not a lot of articulation there, but it doesn't hinder them from saying what they can say in the natural, and they'll just keep doing it. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> Everybody in this room will digress in your own natural language around a child. What you doing? What you doing? You so booing me, number one. You're like, are you speaking in tongues right now? I ain't never seen a person go, you got a devil in you right there. Oh, my gosh, you got a devil. Don't you talk to my kid like that. I ain't never heard a person do that. Never have. I said never have. But the devil's convinced people because he don't want you to have power. Oh, man, they're speaking in tongues on that church. We got to go. <laughs> Yeah, the devil says, that's right, get out of here, because if you get the power they have, I don't have to stand a chance. It's better for you to stay in the religion I put you in. Because <laughs> these are the ones that run, are the ones that hadn't studied it, but have heard it from some other religious person to stay away. Because I've never had an actual lost person ever say to me, ever. Never have I had a person outside the kingdom of God say, that's of the devil. Never. Or run out of the church. Ever. But because you got filled on Sunday, you got to just keep practicing. Because it's your prayer language. Now, it's not the gift of tongues in this context, the gifts of the Spirit, where the Holy Ghost moves upon you to communicate a tongue publicly to everyone in the church that then will, will, will require an interpretation. You say, well, Pastor Marcus is up here and he's praying in the spirit and the mic and we all hear it. Well, if you had discern, discernment and you get discernment because you, become, you get trained in righteousness, a lot of times when he's doing that, he is pulling up a spiritual song and then will sing. He just doesn't always say, now, this is the interpretation of that. Sometimes he just lets you know that what I'm about to do that you'll actually capture in the mic is not the gifts uh, of tongues. I'm just asking you to do what I'm doing right now, and let's just pray in the Spirit together. And at that point, he's already given instruction of what's taking place so that you don't have to say, well, we have to have an interpretation for that. He just told you, I'm not giving the spiritual gift of tongues that requires an interpretation. I'm just using my prayer language. I'm going to pray, sing in the spirit a moment here. And most of the time, he'll kind of pull back. But, you know, the mic's pretty hot, and it'll pick it up. But if it went to another way, well, then we would all know it's gone that way. And then all of a sudden, things begin to shift. In fact, when someone really starts giving a tongue, everybody else begins to go, wait a minute, that's different. And then you're waiting for the interpretation. I said, then you're waiting. And those that give the tongue can't interpret the tongue, or maybe somebody else will have it. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? But there are these waves Within the church, when I say waves, I'm not just talking waves of the Spirit. I'm talking about waves of equipping. And those are hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay? Here's the thing. Has, and again, most of you have never, ever done, you've never done this, okay? Nobody's ever done this. Where all you do is eat and you never drink. Now, I'm not saying you've not gone through a meal and ate the whole meal and didn't drink anything, but all of you drink something, period. You're all drinking something. So at some point, you're drinking a beverage, whether it's after a meal or not. But the majority of us habitually are eating, taking a sip, eating, taking a sip, eating. What happens is in the church, people like to hear the word, but because they don't understand the spirit, 
They just want to keep getting fed and not get a drink. The problem, if you're always getting fed and not taking a drink, you'll become a Pharisee. So all my seven plus, the Holy Ghost is saying to you, it's time to take a drink. You fed long enough. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to keep eating. It just means we're in a time where we're putting aside, to some degree, the feeding side, and you go ahead and come in and expect we're going to be able to take something to drink for a little bit. I remember one minister said, he got at me, preached the word, man. He said, man, I preached it. He said, but, you know, that was a bit. I just preached it. And I went home, and I was a little disappointed. And the Lord's like, what's wrong? He said, well, you know, I just didn't see you move because, you know, he wanted to give to the Spirit something to get in operation like that. He said, son, did you preach the word today? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, then God moved. He said, sometimes I'll just preach the word. Sometimes I'll just move with my spirit. But the majority of the time, it would be a combination of both. And at Anchor Faith Church, we have a combination of both. But at the beginning, when Anchor Faith Church started, for the first, like, three years, the Lord told me personally, I'm not going to be moving in gifts in the service. Teach the people the word. Because I've already come through the community with the, the drink. It's called the charismatic renewal. I came into the community, and I moved in the community, and I poured out my spirit in the community. And then when I wanted to come and start teaching the community, they didn't want to get taught, and they just wanted to stay under the new wine. And because of that, they quit drinking new wine and they went to strange wine. Meaning, I can only hear from the spirit realm, so they start tapping into different spirits. Because if you don't get yourself anchored in the word then you won't know what the Spirit of God is actually saying. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is how old when the Holy Ghost comes upon him? 30. What in the world has the guy been doing for 30 years? <laughs> What's he been doing? 30 doggone years, man. What you been doing? Hadn't you seen the, 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 how bad humanity is? Hadn't you seen sin? I mean, why aren't you out doing something? Well, because he was letting the Spirit train him in the Word. He was growing in it. And he got so good at the Word, because he is the Word, that from then on, Notice, he, before he would go minister, after the Holy Ghost came upon him, because he ain't even going to do ministry without the Holy Ghost. He would go off and pray and drink for a while. He'd get under the Spirit so that he could rightly do what the Father wanted, but he knew the will of the Father because he understood the Scriptures. And man, one of the very first temptations he had, he came out showing what he was all about. It is written. It is written. It is written. The reason why Kenneth E. Hagin was such a powerful man who moved by the Spirit is because this would always come out of his mouth. Now, Brother Hagin, and they would come to him this way. Now, Brother Hagin, you know, I just need to get a word from God. You know, what do you say? You know, what about this situation I'm in? And basically, they're saying, you're the prophet. We want you to get a revelation by God from the Spirit and give me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom over my situation. But this is how Brother Hagin responded the majority of the time. Well, what does the Bible say? But what happens? Nobody wants to credit the Bible. They want to just get with the Spirit. Then they have experiences that actually go beyond the Bible, and then they want to tell me, well, I have the Holy Ghost too. I know you have him. I get it. Man, maybe I'll do this example here. Hmm. I really thought this would be for summer camp. Maybe it was for today. 
Hmm. Rolando, come up here real quick. So Rolando is going to be the Holy Ghost today for me, all right? And so, Rolando, come on up, stand on the platform. So, in essence, this is the door, right? It's a cross, right? I make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I'm going to open the door. And when I open the door, the Holy Ghost comes in. And so, this platform is my heart. And guess who's with me? The Holy Ghost, right? So, wherever you go, I'm going to follow, okay? So, just stay on the platform if you would. So, you know, and we're doing, and, I, you know, he's talking to me. Me and him, right? My spirit, his spirit, we're having this conversation, you know, and we're learning and growing. He's talking to me about the word and all these things. But what we do in life is all of a sudden we'll open up a door. Right? All right? Um, Luke and everybody behind you, I want y'all to come up on the, well, except for this couple right here. Everybody else come up on the platform. Come up one at a time. So what happens is they start, you let a door open. Now they start talking to me. You act like you talk. Come on, just keep coming. Now, the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. Y'all just keep coming. Now, kind of press me. Keep coming because I need direction for my life, right? And so, uh, the Holy Ghost was talking to me, but then I start consulting other things and other people. Y'all just keep coming. And so, now, in my heart, oh, you all right? Come on, you got it. You got it. Uh, in my heart, now, I got all this, you know, in all these people talking. Keep, come on. You doing all right? Come on, keep coming. Keep coming. All right, now, Rolando, the Holy Ghost there, See, he's not forcing. Now, I want y'all all to tell me something I need to do, you know, with my house. Just give me some advice. All at once, I don't care what you say, just start talking. Come on, just keep talking. Okay. Amen. You know, now I just need what the Holy Ghost says. But because I allow all these voices in, and there he is, a gentleman, he's patient, and until I learn to take captive, of these thoughts, and when, when the power of the Holy Ghost begins to fall, it allows, he's going to come in like a mighty rushing wind. And when he does, now y'all can all leave and let's help him with the stairs. Okay. All right. Um, then when he comes in, in essence, it pushes everything else out and it gives this moment what he did by his grace. He said, I'm giving you a reset. I'm going to reset right now an opportunity for you to clear your mind. And hear me clearly, because you opened the door to all kind of junk. But now he's not obligated to do that, because my own personal will, which is a my own spirit, I can say, but I really like that voice. I really like it, because I like how they keep telling me things that I like to hear, because you don't always tell me stuff I like to hear. Now, when I say that, my spirit man does like it. But because it's having to get up to my mind, and my mind's like, but I don't really like that. You know, we used to go different. Remember, we lived a whole nother way. And now, yeah, I got to put that down too. Thank you. The reason we need to drink is because we will get so much. And let me tell you, what did Jesus do in the first temptation? The devil comes to him and he says, it is written. The devil's like, ah. Oh. Scripture. And some of you are struggling right now, not because you don't know the word, it's that you don't know how to determine the word you're hearing in you, whether it's actually God's voice or the enemy giving you a scripture. So that you can live it out of context. Because the devil's intent was, let me get you this scripture so you'll respond out of context. And then you're going to come, and, and I've seen them. That's the deceived bunch, right? Because they entertain them. This is the problem. We entertain so many. We are in a society where you can go on YouTube, and you're just sitting, binge, eating all the time. 
And now all these other voices are coming in with scripture, that, and it, that it ain't attached to the vision you're a part of. It ain't, I'm not saying you can't hear other people. I'm just saying until you learn how to navigate between uh, hunger and thirst, it might be better for you to shut some things off and get into some thirst moments with the Lord and say, hold on, I got to saturate myself with your presence. How do I get your presence up in here? How do we actually have some thirst parties with the Lord? Well, we begin to worship him. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people, right? We begin to wait on him, those who wait on the Lord, right? There's these opportunities. We begin to pray in the spirit and we build up our spirit. These are things that say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. I want you here. I need your presence here. But when we do this corporate and let me tell you, some that are in this room had been pulling this stuff in at a, a blessing for you to help drive half the stuff that's in your mind out. And it's an opportunity for you to get a reset to say that is the voice of God. And another I'm not going to follow. Because I'm always, it's always interesting when I get into a meeting with someone I'm taking drinks. My meetings with anyone are never a feeding party. It's usually a drinking party. Okay, what's the question? Because I need to know what you're saying. Come on, fill me, fill me, fill me. I need your presence. I need discernment. I need to know what you're saying. I need to drink you. I need rivers of living water to show up in my life right now so that I can begin to refresh them. Now, sometimes it kicks over into a food party because, again, you start, well, okay, well, now let me show you where that's at. And you start giving scripture and you begin to teach. But the reality is it always starts out with a refreshing of the spirit. Why? Because what's the intent? We just want you to be all that you can be for the Lord. And if you've come to me and your life's a mess, I didn't make it that way. <laughs> and right now, the Lord's saying, I'm, I got revival for my church right here at Anchor Faith. And I'm pouring out my spirit. And why is he doing it? Because I'll preach on it Sunday. Won't get too far ahead. But there's a latter rain coming. A ladder rain coming. And when the rain comes, it's water. It's time to drink. It's thirsty time. And let me tell you something. God can move despite you, but sometimes he won't move because of you. And many people blame God for not doing something when God actually is blaming them for not doing something. It's your fault, God. No, actually, it's yours. Actually, it's your fault. Come on now. See, you're looking at me that way, so I'm going to feed you something. Jesus was full of the power of the Holy Ghost, went into his hometown. He said he couldn't uh, heal but just a few sick people. Why? Because they were offended at him. They go, in his, his dad, the car, in his brother... And they were offended at him, and he marveled at their unbelief. He couldn't do something. God can do anything he wants. He couldn't do something. And it was their fault, not his. So what did he do to try to remedy it? He went and started feeding them. Why? He said, I'm going to go teach them, because if I can teach them and get them over into faith, get them to understand, to quit looking at me like I'm just some common guy, to see me for who I am, according to, if they would just believe, then, man, I changed their life. I changed their life. So many people are offended at God today, blaming him for something he didn't do when it's their fault he didn't do it. Now, in some cases, it didn't happen because you have no idea what God was doing in the first place and you're assuming he was doing something. And your faith on assumption, just because you know God could do a thing, doesn't give him, doesn't give you the right to demand him to do it. I'll give you a scripture. Again, Abraham, go kill your son. All right, I'm gonna go do it. But this is the promised kid, so I really don't understand how I'm gonna kill the kid. 
and you go against your own word. This is like mind-blowing to me. So I'm just going to assume now, I mean, based upon what I know about you, you always do your word, and if this is the promised kid, and I'm going to kill him, then you must be able to raise the dead. So he was actually believing God for a resurrection. And the Hebrew says that. Can God raise the dead? But was God asking Abraham to believe him for a resurrection? No. All God was asking him was to kill his son that he really didn't want him to do. He just wanted to know, is your heart fully for me in obedience? And when he raised it up, the Lord's like, stop. Aren't you glad he listened? Because what he didn't tell Abraham, now listen, because this is what you want, but you don't get it. Because you develop trust when he doesn't give you. He could have said, Abraham, I want you to take your son to this mountain. Because he said, I'll show you, right? This is the mountain. Here's the GPS coordinates. You're going to go here. You're going to put him on the altar. You're going to sacrifice him. But you're really not. Because while you're going up one side of the mountain, I actually have this ram coming up the other side. And it'll be there. So you just pretend like you're going to do it. All the while, I want you to know the ram's there. But isn't that what took place? And if we don't watch out, some of us will sacrifice our purposes because we've allowed other voices to come in. And were other voices trying to come in on Abraham? Yep. Wait, where's y'all sacrifice at? You know what? Well, y'all stay here. Why do you think he left them back there? I don't need you talking. Because what do you think those voices would have said? What are you doing to your boy? What are you doing to your boy right now? You can't tie your boy up. My gosh, man, you're going to kill your son. You, those voices, y'all going to stay at the bottom of the Y'all don't understand nothing that's going on right now. And I don't need to hear your mouth. See, some of y'all need to leave some people at the bottom of your mountains. Oh, I'm preaching. Go up the mountain. And then the son says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. But you know what Abraham's thinking right now? You the sacrifice, bro. You the sacrifice. But God's going to raise you. I don't know how that works, but it's going to happen. I ain't never seen it, never heard about it. But he's going to have to do it because you the promised kid. I don't get it, but man, the Lord will provide. Right? Now, we have no recorded account of him saying anything to his dad while he's tying him up. And in your humanity, you think the Lord's a bad God. <laughs> no, in your dysfunction, you think he's a bad God. Because the reality is, he is the greatest thing ever. Whew. You got to change your thinking. Got to quit bringing your little human thinking into this. But he'll refresh you with his spirit. I said, it'll refresh you with your spirit. So I don't want to rush worship. We're not. So I'm letting you know. We're just going to take time to bask because that's what we're in right this second. The Lord just wants us to drink a little bit. It's okay. I mean, I just wish they wouldn't just pray. I mean, wish they, we're going to preach. Make no mistake about it. We're going to preach. But maybe some services we won't. Maybe we won't. Because at the end of the day, if he wants you to drink the whole time, then you're going to drink the whole time. I'm going to be happy with it and go on. Because who am I to say, Holy Ghost, you ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. This guy won't do it. Let me say this. Thank you. That's what he said to me, and I had them keep the music. The Holy Spirit is so good, perfect, perfection at his assignment. He is so crystal clear that there's something attributed to the third person of the Godhead that is not to, the, to God the Father or God the Son. There's something about the Holy Ghost and how he works and functions and operates that leaves no doubt. 
Jesus said, now you can talk bad about daddy. You can blaspheme him because you ain't seen him. He ain't come down here to you. You don't know. You can make all kind of stuff, talk about him, say he ain't a good dad, say he ain't no good, say he ain't a good father, say he, he, he done me wrong, he ain't treating me right, he ain't helped me out. I prayed to him. He didn't do nothing. And you blaspheming the father the whole time. And he can take it, and he'll let you do it. He said, now, Jesus said, now, I'm the son, and you can talk bad about me. You can say I ain't the son of God. You can talk bad about me. You can run me down. You can say I'm of the devil. You can do that. I can take it. No problem. Because, listen, I'm not in your planet right now. You don't see me in the flesh. You weren't there, maybe. And if you were, you know, you were expecting something else. I get it. But let me tell you when the Holy Ghost shows up. Now, when he starts talking... It's irrefutable. And if you start talking bad about him and you get over in to blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, it becomes a sin that is unforgivable, not only in this life, but the life to come. The blood of Jesus can't touch it. The Holy Ghost is in the earth. Jesus said, it's to your advantage. I go so that he come. And there is no spirit that's bigger, better, smarter, wiser, has more exploits than the Holy Ghost. None. Not one. Because every time God would do something miraculous and all of a sudden the witchcraft would show up, just like with Moses, God is stabbed. That was the, the anointing. That's, it demonstrated the power of God. He throws it down and turns into a snake. Well, we got a couple little witchcraft people, you know. And they throw their little snakes down, right? In the black magic, you know, nobody saw a sleight of hand. You know, it's like, whoa, wow, wow. They just like as powerful as Moses. And you know what Moses' snake does? Oh, it's time to eat. In essence, it's saying, I'll gobble up all witchcraft. I'll gobble up all sorcery. I'll gobble up all deception. I'll gobble it up, and you'll know that I'm the only thing true. And you can still deny me, but you'll know I'm true. That's why when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and the world that never accepted Christ stands before the great white throne judgment, it becomes irrefutable evidence that he has spoken to you. Everybody in this room, you know the Holy Ghost is undeniable unless you're lost because you don't know him. But those who profess to have known Christ at some point, the charade you're in, the charade you're in, act like you're going to be able to know something more than the third person of the Godhead who does not tolerate. good news is if you're concerned whether or not you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost, you hadn't. And thank God. But if you want to continue to just sit and act like the other voices are wiser, you know it's a lie. Already. And what I love about this move that God's in is he leaves no doubt and he's not obligated to work a miracle to prove. All he has to do is whisper. That's all he has to do. All he has to do is say, now you know I'm in this room. And your spirit goes. And then you're like, find me another voice, find me another voice, find me another voice. Don't tell me you don't know. You choose to not want to listen. Yeah. 
Brother Hagen prophesied just before his departure. Pastor Marshall was in prayer on Sunday. I'm tying this up right now, and we're going to be done. I'm just letting the teenagers get extremely dirty to get in your vehicle when they go home. You're welcome. Pastor Marcy started talking in prayer, and it came up in my spirit, and she ended up saying something, and next thing you know, I was like, there was a prophecy. And then she said it, there was a prophecy. So then I text the guy who gave the prophecy, who had it, Reverend Marty Blackwater. I said, do you remember this thing you read at Anchor Faith Church once? I don't have it. I need it. And he sent it to me. And here it is. Just before he died in September 2003, he said, remember, we've, we've talked about the great manifestation of God in the end. We've read that prophecy. I'm not going to read it tonight. But he references it again here. He said, if I could tell you, if it were possible for you to look into the future and see that which is in store, your hearts would be glad. If you could look into the future and see that which is coming, come on, worship team, uh, you, uh, coming, you would have much cause for rejoicing. It would be difficult for some of you even to believe, but it surely shall come. The power of God and manifestation shall come. And where there has been a few saved here and a few saved there, many will be saved here and many will be saved there. And the things that God has already done in Anchor Faith Church in the last month, I just want to shout and rejoice because I want it to be even greater next time. And the next month. And where there has been a few filled with the Spirit here and a few filled with the Spirit there, many shall be filled with the Spirit here and many shall be filled with the Spirit there. And where there was a few healed here and a few healed there, an outstanding healing here and an outstanding healing there, many healings. I've even said some things about healing to some individuals within this church. For his name's sake, he's going to do some stuff. Because here's the thing, for some people, they don't even want to be healed. Or they love God and getting the healing won't make them love God more. But God wants to do something for his name's sake. He says a renewal is coming of special faith, working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. As Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. First, he says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand rising over the sea. Maybe this last month, is a cloud the size of a man's hands and those being filled with the Holy Ghost and those being born again and those being healed. He said, I see a cloud rising on the horizon of time and I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Glory to God. Yes, the rain is coming. The rain of the Spirit of God, the latter rain, falling upon his saints, falling upon good ground. And when that Spirit manifests himself, all those around shall be blessed. Not only will you be blessed and your family be blessed, but also your neighbors will be blessed. Everyone who you come in contact with will be blessed, for a blessing shall you be. But then he says this, Now sit and say, Let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice and nothing will happen. But arise. So it's not how many come, it's how you come. It's not how many come, but it's how you come. Because if you keep coming, now that the Spirit of God's moving and this wave's here and we're going to be getting into these thirst moments with God where we want rivers of living water to flow and stir us up because we got so much word and equipping in us. God equipped us for three years, 27, uh, uh, 17, 18, 19, and then he told us to rain. He's like, I'm going to pour out my spirit on those that are equipped to rain so that they can do the work. So they can go into the highways and the byways and set people on fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost. But if you're like, well, when I see it, I'll rejoice. It won't come. You know, it won't come 
because even when you see it, you won't see it. Because when you have that kind of attitude, even when something happens in front of you, you'll discredit it with your own words and you run the risk of starting to say things that the Holy Ghost can start saying, you better watch your mouth. You might want to watch your mouth. Because when you start calling what the Holy Ghost does as demonic and evil and unclean, you're in a dangerous place. Dangerous place. Now sit and say, let's see it come. And when it comes, I'll rejoice and nothing will happen. But arise, he said, and walk in the light. Arise and leap into the realm of the Spirit, into the deep waters of the Spirit. Not just water to wade in, but water to swim in. I'm telling you, the flow of the Holy Spirit's coming so that it is, you can't keep your nose above. You're going to get immersed. He said, and the rain will come and the glory will come and the healing shall be in greater manifestation and the miracles will be in greater manifestation and your heart will be glad and you shall rejoice. Hallelujah. Come on, how many expect to see that? I said, how many expect to see that? Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody around here. Stand to your feet. Let's take a few moments right now to just thank the Holy Ghost that he wants to be with us in a greater measure and he wants to pour out his spirit afresh on us. He knows we know. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Oh,